five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, it's Friday. How are we feeling? Uh, super good. I'm ready for uh, NFL wildcard weekend. I know this isn't the uh, uh, Bama, th- you know, the, the 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 on three Bama show slash NFL, but uh, but now I'm excited. Five fantastic uh, games this weekend. Six. Yeah. Six. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it, too, because once college football is over and yep. – you start to realize, wow, that's not coming back for over 200 days. Then you yep. pivot and turn your attention to the NFL, and you're like, well, this will at least get me by for about another three, four weeks, and, yep. and that that'll that'll help alleviate some of the pain. It's not going to fix it, but it'll help. And we did also barely dodge Friday the 13th. Today's Friday. It's okay. the 14th, so it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a very lucky day. I'm feeling lucky. I don't know how you're feeling, but. I feel wonderful. Uh, I feel fortunate and lucky that we get to answer, you know, these four questions that we got from the mailbag. Um, Excellent. Yeah, and I was going back through, and I realized, oh, my goodness. Anytime, like, there's a big game and stuff, and I'm sure you're the same way with your uh, Twitter, my notifications kind of get out of control with, like, everything. So I realized I'm not entirely sure that I gathered every question that I got. And I was going back, like, and I know through my DMs and stuff, um, I gathered a lot of them, but then also sometimes people will hit you up and, and ask a question just like, uh, you know, at you or something. And, you know, there was one that I specifically said, we'd go back and we'd answer, but it, you know, there was probably other people too. If you did, I'm going to get a better process as far as that. Cause I'm sure there are some that fall through the cracks. We tend to get quite a few of them, send them to me or Jimmy. And if it's not during, you know, like the night before or the day before a mailbag episode where we're actually focusing on that and we're gathering it and setting it aside, if, uh, you know, you want and, and we bring up a mailbag question and you remember that you had one and you aren't, aren't sure if we got it or not or if we've, you know, acknowledged it, send it again and we'll certainly get it included. And I apologize for that. And, you know, I'm going to start like sending it to like myself in a Twitter DM or something where I can go and, and keep up with it when someone sends one on there as well. But we do have four, technically five. Um, I don't think that one of them we're going to get too far into, even though we'll okay. use it as an opportunity to to, to kind of go a little bit further into what's been happening with the transfer portal since we last talked yesterday. And, you know, we'll go ahead and dive right in. But that's going to come from Stuttered2018. I hope that's how you say it. But he asked, what Bama players do you see coming back and who do you got leaving early? And the reason that I say that we were going to wait, you know, kind of yep. answer this is that we already know a lot of them but is there anybody else we'll, we'll first of all discuss the ones that were announced yesterday but also uh anybody else that you are thinking could end up leaving right. yeah certainly won't want to discuss who's who's coming back that would be uh you know 85 guys and would, would uh, take up the uh the show this week to today and for next week so we'll just discuss the hopefully the smaller list of who's leaving but uh well, Evan Neal and Jameson Williams yesterday uh, both announced they would be leaving. That that was the least surprising of of, of the list uh, because both are anticipated first round picks. Evan Neal could go as high as number one. That will be a fun thing to discuss between now and April twenty eighth, uh, day one of the NFL draft. Uh, uh, you know, Clint and I will have that well covered. We both love the draft and and especially as it relates to Alabama guys. So. 
Evan Neal is, is out. He could go as high as number one. Jamison Williams also announced he, he was leaving to, to enter the NFL. Uh, he was universally projected to be a first-round pick prior to the injury. Uh, that's going to complicate things for him. I still believe he'll be a first-round pick uh, today, um, but it is a pretty deep wide receiver group, so uh, we'll see. But, but Jamison coming out was not a surprise. Uh, in terms of who else, um, Christian Harris, uh, Jalen Armour Davis, I think those are two guys uh, that we'll hear from in the next day or two. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards guessing they're coming out. We don't have information of, about that from, from a source close to them. So all, all I'm doing here is just guessing which way the wind is blowing. And, uh, and guessing, uh, I, I think Christian and Jalen Armour Davis are both likely to, to go pro. I think Mechie is likely to go pro, but could stay. Jordan Battle, likely to go pro, but might stay. The one guy that might go pro, I'm, I'm optimistic about staying, is Henry Toa Toa. Uh, I, I think there's a better, better than 50-50 chance that he stays. But again, this is all gut calls and reading the tea leaves. This is not based on information. If I had reportable information, we would just uh, report it. Uh, to uh, to our subscribers uh, on the board or or on uh, various on three platforms. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, you know, with what happened yesterday with Shane Lee entering the transfer portal, you had Jalen Moody entering the transfer portal. You know, I started to wonder, I was like, if either one of Christian Harris or Henry Toto were coming back, I could see still see both of those guys maybe entering the portal. But at the same time, if they had an inkling that one of the, the other two one of the two starters were leaving, why not stick around? Uh, you know, Shane Lee has started an entire season. Jalen Moody has, you know, been very highly thought of and people thought he was going to start until Henry Toto chose to transfer to Alabama. Why would you not, you know, say, well, I think I have a really good shot at starting next year. Maybe you want the guaranteed thing and that's what you're doing. Um, I think Deontay Lawson, he's one of those players that probably is ready to step up in year two. And maybe they thought that that he was more than likely going to be the guy to start next to the other one. I think if both Henry Toto and Christian Harris were leaving, that at least one of those two guys would have chose to stay. And maybe they just right. simply don't know. You know, maybe they're enter entering the portal right now. But then if one of those two players, you know, if they figure out exactly what they're doing, maybe they'll change their mind, pull their name out of it or something like that. I will be curious to see how that ends up playing out. But also, you know, I, I brought it up yesterday. Man, I was rushing through it. You know, ended up having some mistakes on there, but I went back through and looked at all the the, the off-ball linebackers since what was it? You know, Rolando yeah. McLean was the first one. I think it was 2010, and and really looked at you know how it benefited certain guys to choose to come back for their senior seasons. Now, granted, I put that uh, Dylan Moses was a junior. He was technically not a junior. He was a senior. He could have returned because of COVID, but he ultimately ended up coming out. He fell you know he, he was a guy that could have used extra eligibility and he chose not to he ended up falling that was because of the injury he did stay you know somewhat healthy throughout his last season in Tuscaloosa but he also still had that knee injury that he had to have surgery on again and he's recovering from that so that explains you know big reason why he fell but I also think based off the way he played even if he would have technically been 100% he was taking a little bit of a tumble Mac Wilson chose to come out early he took quite the tumble. Uh, you know, at one point, people thought he could be a first-round pick. He ended up falling to the fifth round. You've had guys like Rashawn Evans choose to come back for a senior year. Reuben Foster, C.J. Mosley, you know, Dante Hightower was a guy who kind of 
you know, was, I guess, more of a redshirt junior. He was in his fourth season, but uh, he chose to come back for a senior year. So really the only one for Alabama who has been a true junior in his third season to choose to come out early for the NFL draft and still get drafted in the first round was, was Rolando McClain. And so, you know, I think it has benefited certain off-ball linebackers to come back. That doesn't mean that it necessarily should uh, work out that way for Henry Toto and or Christian Harris, but it is something to kind of, you know, monitor for them and to understand, hey, there have been, if Nick Saban tells me, hey, we really think we can help you in your draft stop by returning for your senior year, maybe I should look at some of the guys in the past and say, hey, those guys trusted him. He, he took care of them and made sure they ended up benefiting from it. I trust him to do the same with me. We'll just have to wait and see what ends up happening with that. But, you know, any added thoughts before we kind of, you know, there's some other players we're going to talk about, but I want to give you a chance to talk about the inside linebackers a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with the general notion that, that Jalen Moody and Shane Lee most likely got in the portal because they know what Christian and Toa Toa are doing. Uh, I don't think they just wanted to leave Alabama because they don't like it. I, I think with them, it's all about starting. And, and they felt uh, that they weren't going to start at Alabama. Uh, so, you know, that they, they probably have a good idea what Christian and Toa Toa are doing. You know, it, it's more of a macro answer, but you know, I, I sort of have a different feeling than a lot of people about guys. I, I think way too many guys come out too early uh, for, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I've got good, smart football friends that disagree with me a lot on those issues, and that's fine. I get their points, and they're very good, salient points about, you know, primarily about these guys' these guys' career. There's a shelf life to it. Uh, you you can play in the NFL at 21, but you can't play in the NFL at 38. I mean, for for, for most people, uh, and, and the sooner you get to the league and, and begin your earning power, the better. Uh, and, and you're one year closer to that second contract and things like that. That's the arguments I hear on the other side. But the point I always make is, look, if you go to the NFL and you're not good right away, they will give up on you. They will give up on you quickly. They're not in the – the NFL is not a developmental sport. College football is. They can be patient with you in college football. They can wait for you to develop into a player because they're going to wait. In the NFL, they don't have to wait at all. Uh, they don't have to wait a single day. Uh, you can help them or you're out uh, and, and you just have to be ready. And being ready isn't always a physical thing. Being ready is also a mental thing. Are you ready to handle being an adult, being a professional, handling money for the first time in your life? Are you ready to do all of those things? And so many of these kids leave because they're physically ready, but they're not emotionally ready uh, to, to, to be on their own, to have total, uh, uh, you know, autonomy over their time and their money. And uh, gosh, I, I think so, so many kids leave early and it's a mistake. In my opinion, those that stay rarely make a mistake. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've been thinking about this for, you know, Jordan Battle as well. The, the safeties who have left early for the NFL, they have been the ones where it's like, there's no question this guy's going first round. You know, it's the Mink and Fitzpatrick's of the world. Eddie Jackson ends up falling to the fourth round. That was injury-related. Uh, you can make the argument with Landon Collins, even though I think he was one of the first picks in the second round, which was, you know, still, you know, not as quite – a lot of people thought he'd be a first-round pick, and I think there right. were some limitations to his coverage ability that made him fall just a, a little bit. 
But you look at some of the players at safety who have chose to come out early. You know, Ronnie Harrison. Nick Saban was very against that, thought he should come back. He fell to the third round. Deontay Thompson chose to come out early, ends up falling to the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was an underclassman and could have come back. I could be wrong on that, though. That's correct. Correct. Yeah. No, you're um, you also got Xavier McKinney, who is kind of also in that uh, Landon Collins mold. I think, you know, he was in 2017, so 2017, 2018, 2019. He was part of the 2020 NFL draft. So, yeah, I mean, he was he was there for three years, so he was an underclassman. Sometimes I forget. Um, and that he was second round, if I remember. Yeah, so he was kind of in that Landon Collins, you know, ends up falling to the second. Some people thought he'd be in the first. So not a huge difference there. It's not like he ended up uh, suffering tremendously, but – with Jordan Battle, I think he made huge strides the last three-fourths of the season, really the second half of the season. I thought I didn't think he played great every week. That Tennessee game stands out. But I think in a lot of games, I think he proved, at least to me, that you know earlier in the year I was saying, hey, I think he's going to probably be like a day-three pick, you know, like an early day-three pick, fourth or fifth round. But then I could see him being a very steady starter, contributor for a very long time in the NFL Really, I've changed my tune on that. I thought he became much more of a playmaker. He showed a lot more athletic ability. But is he considered a true first-round pick? Is he considered a lock to go on day two, you know, early day two, where you can still make yourself some pretty good money? I will be curious to see what ends up happening with that. I thought he would probably be one of those guys who left early, and he very well could, or he could maybe choose to come back. So that I'm is sure. – uh, should have mentioned him earlier. Battle's one that I'm – I think most likely he leaves, but but he's one that could come back. He's and, and I think, frankly, other than Neil and Jamison Williams, I can make a case that all of them should come back. Other than those two, that's yep. just me, grumpy old get off my lawn old man. Well, uh, the, the but one that argument, I, I can make an argument that they all should come back, other than Evan and Jamison. And the and of course, Joe also entered. I don't know if you mentioned that earlier. He's a senior to me, yeah. to, to me. And I, I know not everybody just keeps these lists in their head or, or, or from, but to me, if you're a senior and you participated in senior day and you got your flowers and your signed football and your picture with Nick on senior day, I don't understand why any of those guys are making an announcement. You made your announcement on senior day. <laughs> well, and that, that is interesting because I completely agree. Now the one, I know that Jalen Moody did take part in senior day. And then when right. I saw him, make the decision to, to enter the transfer portal. I was like, well, that, I mean, I guess he wanted to send off as well. He knew he was entering the portal back then. So that, that yeah. makes sense. But that it is a great Alabama point. It Alabama send off anyway. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. And, and Jalen Armour Davis is one that I'm very curious about because I don't, you know, Eli Ricks is coming in. He did, He's not coming in to, to be a backup. Now, granted, I guarantee you Nick Saban and, and Alabama didn't hand him a starting job before he even got on campus, but – if there was going to be a guy, I mean, he's at least established himself as a very high-quality player on the college level. And so, you know, not saying you need to hand him a job, but it would be a lot more understandable than people saying that Alabama needed to go ahead and hand Bryce Young the starting job before he earned it in spring training going through the quarterback battle and and things like that. So, but with Jalen Armour, I don't think Eli Ricks makes that decision if they're already kind of locked in at the cornerback spot. You know, if Jalen Armour Davis is expected to return – you got Kool-Aid McKinstry. He started some games this past year. Five-star prospect. I don't think he came to Alabama to sit for a couple of years. Um, he was willing to do it for a year. I think he's kind of moving that natural transition into a starting role. You still got Kyrie Jackson there. You now got Eli Ricks in the mix. I mean, in the 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 star spot, the nickel spot. 
is already locked up at the very least by Brian Branch. You can also play Malachi Moore there, even though I think Moore, if battle leaves, starts to, you know, maybe play some more safety. We'll see how that turns out. But that is one to to monitor because if Dylan Armour Davis returns, you got like four, I wouldn't say starting caliber necessarily, perimeter corners. But, I, you know, I think that Kyrie is, did show some good things. Obviously, the coaching staff was high on him. So if you would include him in that mix, now there's a log jam. And I don't think Ricks is coming in just to turn around and leave. I don't. I really hope the coaching staff is looking at Kool Aid as a long term piece, and he's probably going to be in the mix to start. It just makes more sense to me that Jalen Armour Davis is going to be leaving. I don't know if that's transferring or going to the NFL draft, but uh, and I could be completely wrong. Alabama might be desperate to get him back and want him back, and he could choose to to return. We'll just have to see. The other one that surprised me, you know, on the next round, which is uh, a podcast, I guess, but it's from the guys that used to be on Jock's Radio. They interviewed Slade Bolden yesterday, and I don't know. Did yeah. you see this? I saw a quote or two. I didn't listen to it, but I saw a quote or two. Yeah, and, and I, I couldn't tell if he was kidding or not, but I'll at least read it. The, the tweet from Jim Dunaway says, Slade Bolden on the show just now tells us that he has not made his decision about the 2022 season. He does add, I'm all Bama, so it's either come back or try the NFL. So... Right. I, I, you know, you, you don't get contact. Like I, I probably should have went and listened. I'm not sure if that was like a, some kind of, you know, joke. I'm not saying that Slade couldn't go test the NFL. I'm, I, I mean, he's a Patriot all day. If he enters, um, I think all, <laughs> <laughs> with his familiarity with, uh, with Mac Jones and the fact that he's got that, uh, kind of Welker Julian Edelman type of, of skill set, I could totally see Bill Belichick falling in love. And I know that, you know, people have, wanted him benched and Nick Saban has never even entertained that idea. He really likes Slade Bolden. If he really likes him and his personality, Bill Belichick's really going to like him in his personality. So that it would create something very interesting right now. You just kind of automatically assume Slade's going to stay in a starting spot, but if he ends up leaving and Jamison Williams ends up leaving, you get John Mechie back potentially, or if you lose all three, that will be very interesting as far as the, uh, the wide receiver room, you know, moving forward into 2022. Yeah, I think Slade, I mean, this is just my interpretation. I didn't listen to the interview either. I just, you know, heard the tweet as you read it and, and, and read it yesterday. I think, you know, Slade just graduated with a master's degree. So I, I think with Slade, it would be about, and if Slade came back, I mean, what, I mean, this, this is, you know, my discussion with Slade, if I was his agent, is, look, you, you got your master's degree. You're not moving. You can come back and play and enjoy it and play the same role or lesser role, maybe with Jojo Earl nipping at your heels for that slot, the, the starting spot at the slot. You can come back and that's fine. You're enjoying yourself, but you're not going to come back and improve your stock. Big He's man. not going to come back and get taller. He's not going to come back and get bigger. He's not going to come back and get faster or better. He is what he is. So if Slade comes out now, or if Slade comes out one year from now, I think he's going to be drafted or not drafted uh, the same. He, there, there's nothing to improve, and he's got his master's degree. Um, so in that sense, hey, if you're ever going to give it a shot, let's do it while you're young here. So I get that. Um, but what I would also say realistically is I, I don't think Slade has is a high-value guy in the NFL, and he seems to be really enjoying himself and this is a year you don't get to live again. 
I think he really enjoys playing football for Alabama. He is a valuable member of the football team in multiple ways and will be a real leader next season, uh, a core special teams guy, whether he's returning the kicks or just playing coverage units, uh, a valuable receiver starting or off the bench. Uh, I, I would bet the coaching staff would very much like him to return, and, uh, and that would be good enough for me. So uh, I, I think that would be my interpretation of Slade's comments. Yeah, and I think that you absolutely nailed it. As far as what he is now is what he's going to be next year in the odds in the NFL. I could be completely wrong about that. You could be wrong about it, but that's just there, there's nothing about his skill set or anything that would make you say, you know, no, I, I think that he's got a chance to improve. You know, most times right. when guys choose to return, it's because they haven't reached their ceiling. You know, there's still a lot of untapped, you know, whether it be from an experience standpoint where they're mastering their route running, their catching ability, you know, uh, the bigger, stronger, faster, you know, all those with Slade, it's like, I think he's pretty much maxed out and him and maxed out as a contributor. He's a good player. And I also think that it's possible that he could still end up being a better NFL receiver than he was college because, you know, it depends on the system that he gets in it. Like I said, if he got with the Patriots or a number of other teams, it's not just them. That's just the natural fit that anybody is going. I guarantee if he enters the portal, every story that's writing about it, will say, mention something about the Patriots guarantee it. Um, but you know, if he ends up in that kind of system, it's kind of like Mac Jones, everyone knew when he got drafted by the Patriots, that was the perfect fit for his skill set, and that he could have success there because they were used to having success with a similar style quarterback in Tom Brady. And with, you know, a, a guy like Slade Bolden, especially with his familiarity with Mac Jones, you could totally see him having similar success, uh, you know, not being some dominant player or anything, but being a very steady guy who may, you know, plays special teams makes the roster every year and could end up eventually being a very highly coveted receiver. You know, we'll just kind of have to see. We spent a ton of time talking about that first question, but there's just so much to talk about. The portal is not done, in my opinion. No one needs to freak out about it. Names continue to be added, but we, we were talking about this yesterday, you know. We were talking about how, much, how many spots they need to create, and they had only had five guys under the transfer portal at that point in time. You know, so like you, there, there had to be another, you know, five, six, seven, eight guy, more guys, at least that enter if right. you're trying to get under that 85 scholarship limit. Yeah. The number we have right now, and this, this, we're not promising accuracy because some kids might not actually be on scholarship. There, there's no way for us to know. And Nick Saban's never going to tell us. And that's fine. All we're trying to do here is have a, a general idea. So uh, the general idea is this morning on uh, as we record this on Friday morning, Javon Baker went into the portal. So uh, our, our current number is 90 uh, as we await more juniors to leave and more kids to get in the portal. Bingo. And that does not include, you might end up being able to create a spot with like a gray shirt or something that happens from time to right. time. Right. And you, but at the same time, you also still might be looking at guys in the transfer portal who can help you. I think if the right guys are in there or they, the right guys get in there, I think Nick Saban and them try to create a spot. If they, they feel like that their specific skill set can help, they've had success doing it. They've already added a couple impact players, but they are not necessarily done. It just depends. So it might end up, you know, you, you end up having six or seven guys that you got to figure out a way of, of how you're going to get to that number. So stop being shocked that depth players are entering the transfer portal. You know, Javon Baker, I saw people, oh, I'm so shocked by that. In the national championship game on Monday night, he didn't play a single snap. Four true freshman receivers got on the football field. He was not involved at all. 
He did play a little bit in the game before, but he did not see action in the national championship. It was a Jai Hall. Christian Leary got a couple snaps. JoJo Earl got, you know, a handful, like, you know, I think like eight or nine or something like that. But then you had Ja'Cory Brooks and you got uh, JoJo Earl. I mean, I already mentioned JoJo Earl, but uh, uh, yeah. So you got Ja'Cory Brooks, Jai Hall, Christian Leary, and JoJo Earl. So, I mean, it's like four different receivers, freshmen. I totally get why Javon Baker would enter the portal. I'm not entirely sure that he's, you know, I'm sure Alabama would love to have him, but if he's looking more to go somewhere where he feels like he has a much better opportunity to actually start, not stick around and hope, and, oh, you know, I'll, I'll compete. He, he, he'll waste another year, you know, and especially behind if he ends up behind a bunch of younger guys, he would tend, he's done the whole competition thing for a couple of years now. He's fought, he's battled, he's tried to get on the field. He feels like he's ready to contribute. He doesn't want to keep doing that. Um, uh, you know, in an ideal world, you know, fans would say, well, keep doing it, man. Go through the process. Keep fighting. Brian Robinson did it. Other guys did it. Here's the thing. If he's considering entering, what do you think the coaching staff is telling him? Do you think that Alabama is saying, oh, no, dude, we, we, we definitely need you to come back. If they're telling him that, then I bet Javon Baker comes back. But I also think it's possible that they're telling him, yeah, I mean, we totally get it. Uh, we can't guarantee you anything. Uh, we, we got some other guys that we like. We understand. And then he enters the portal. Like, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Anyways, we, we definitely need to move on. Uh, just wanted to to cover that. So, I mean, that's about as much when we spent over 20 minutes talking about that one question. Um, so, that's, that's, that's getting your question answered pretty in-depth. All right, Tucker Seal on Twitter asked, why do we never hear Kirby Smart's name come up for possible NFL jobs? Good question. First of all, it did. Uh, when Kirby had his initial success, uh, in Georgia, his initial success, his name often came up for the Falcons job. Uh, it, it did come up quite a bit. I think it will come up more. Um, I also think a little bit like Dabo, uh, I think Kirby is viewed as a college coach. Uh, and Dabo's name, while it's out there now for NFL jobs, uh, early on in Dabo's success, you didn't see a lot of, you know, Dabo's name in the NFL either. Uh, I think people just kind of view him as a uh, a college coach and be full of Georgia. I think people see Kirby as he's never going to leave Georgia, uh, at, whether that's right or wrong. So I, I think it's those things. Um, I, 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 you know, he, he didn't have a long – he also doesn't have an NFL background in terms of didn't play in the NFL. Didn't, I think he coached in the NFL, but it was like, you know, one year or two years at the With most. The Dolphins. Dolphins and, and he, he was a DB coach I think there for for Nick uh, I, I think that if Georgia wins another one if Georgia stays relevant and I'm one certainly there's every reason to believe they will uh, I think only then will uh will you start hearing his name more often but uh, I'm not surprised nor do I believe it's a reflection of how good Kirby is at what he's doing here's the thing when you look at a what is his name David Shaw the is Shaw Stanford. the one? Yeah, he's a Stanford. I I can never remember his first name. A lot of these guys I call him Coach, but um, yeah, oh, yeah. When you look at his success, now granted he's fallen off, but back when he was very involved in uh, you know, a lot of they're saying a lot of NFL teams were interested in hiring him. Think about what made him successful. Was he recruiting at a super super high level at Stanford? He was having success recruiting. Don't get me wrong, but was he bringing in just the absolute best and the best, and that's why he was winning? No. You know, you can look at a lot of different programs and you can say, okay, the reason Matt Campbell, is he just absolutely killing it as far as, you know, recruiting? He's doing okay. He's doing well. 
but you see him taking talent and developing it, and that's what's making Iowa State competitive. They weren't as good as people thought they were going to be this year, and guess what? His name has dropped off a lot as far as what he's getting mentioned for. I think when you're talking about NFL coaches, and the reason that Jim Harbaugh is being sought after is because he, he made that jump from Stanford, which was you know a place where he was clearly developing the talent. Stanford back then was not recruiting to the level that even Shaw has had them at. But the, they, the NFL saw him developing the talent that he had. That's what they coveted. A guy like Kirby Smart, he's a good coach, but he's recruiting at an extremely high level. He can go out there and he can convince 25 just, you know, top 200 prospects to come sign with him every single year, including, you know, five, six, seven guys who were, you know, top 70, top 75 players. That is part of what makes him extremely successful. I remember when... And this is a story. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if I have the quote exactly right, but I've always heard a story about when Mal Moore finally convinced Nick Saban to come to Alabama and they get on the plane together to come back to Tuscaloosa. He said something along the lines Nick Saban did to Mal Moore along the lines of, you know, I don't know how good of a coach you just got, but I know nobody's going to out recruit me. Yep. And that is something, and it was true. Now, Nick Saban, I don't think, was giving himself enough credit as far as being a coach. But he also understood one of the things that could make him take him to a whole new level was his ability to recruit. In the NFL, you can't do that. I think to some degree, A, Kirby Smart is at his alma mater. He's exactly, he got his dream job as his first NFL coaching job, and he's absolutely crushed. He's been to two national championships, came, you know, went to overtime and won. Very unfortunate play while they didn't win. Now he's won another one. You know, he's still extremely young. And I think that a lot of NFL teams look and they're like, I don't think we're prying him away from Georgia. But at the same time, that you know, you ask why he's not even coming up. It also could be from the other side. They're like, well, you know, part of what makes Kirby successful is his ability to recruit at an extremely high level. And he right. won't be able to do that in the NFL. There will be a GM who's helping to manage the roster, helping to pick the roster. You know, you can only get the talent that you go out there and you select with your picks and who you're able to sign on draft free agents and you're able to sign in free agency. It's a lot more balanced in the NFL, but I will say this when he was doing that interview with Reese Davis, the day after the national championship game, you know, they started talking about, I don't remember what the question was asked, but essentially Kirby was telling Reese that he is concerned about college football because all of the good coaches in his mind are jumping to the NFL because they don't have to recruit. You know, he, he thought that it was a huge deal that they started having these dead periods where you can take a little bit of time off and it's even and it's balanced and everybody has to do it. But he said, you know, with NIL and, and having to recruit the guys who are still in your roster, um, you know, it's not just trying to convince the guys to come in, but also you got to keep them there now. He said, there's a lot of coaches that just, you know, you go to the NFL and you get a lot of time off. You get a lot more time of your family. And he didn't say that specifically for himself. He was talking about assistant coaches and how, you know, it's a concern because all the, the sport of college football is losing a lot to got because of the demands of recruiting. I don't know if he was speaking in terms of himself at all, but I do know that in his mind, he's very aware of that concern enough to bring it up in an interview. So not saying that he's going to jump to the NFL, but those are just some talking points. That's what I would have to say about it. I don't know. Um, I, I think there's there's multiple layers to it. All right. Jenny on Instagram asked what went wrong for Alabama in the national championship Simple terms, please. Uh, uh, yeah, I can make it r real simple. Uh, a lot of people will, will disagree, and 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 I know everybody listens an Alabama fan, but Alabama just wasn't good enough to win the game. Uh, they're not uh, as good as Georgia uh, in terms of being a complete team. Uh, there are areas in which Alabama is better than Georgia, 
but overall, Georgia was the more complete team. I think Alabama sort of lost the game at, uh, at two positions. The offensive line was just not good enough against Georgia, who has one of the best front sevens in SEC history. Uh, it, it's not a, a, an insult to say that Alabama had a very difficult time blocking that group in this round two. Um, just didn't give Bryce enough time. Uh, Bryce was sacked four times. There were nine tackles for losses. Brian Robinson had no room to run. Alabama couldn't establish a running game. This is all because of Georgia controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, secondly, once Alabama had lost uh, John Mechie before the game and Jameson Williams during the game, there was no outside playmaker to replace their production. And Alabama uh, was forced to rely on young players uh, and guys who had yet to fully develop into as, as good a college football players as they'll one day be. Uh, the, the Alabama team that was constituted in that game, and by that I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging that pieces were missing, uh, but the Alabama team that was constituted for that game just isn't as good as Georgia uh, and, and, and lost in a, in a close game. I think Alabama was the second best team in the country by far, and just short of how good Georgia is, just short, good enough to beat them that first time, good enough to push them that second time. This was an eight-point game with a minute and a half left. I mean, it was a one-score game with a minute and a half left. So Alabama was close, but just not quite good enough uh, to beat a, uh, a a really, really good national championship Georgia team. Yeah. And and here's the thing. This is the way that I have put it to people. I've been asked kind of similar. In this game, Alabama was unable to do what they had done in the first matchup to win the football game. And that was two things. A, that was keep Bryce Young protected enough to be able to be efficient offensively, to be able to score points, because what is that naturally going to do? That is going to put pressure on Stetson Bennett to press and beat you with his arm make make put the game on his shoulders and make him beat you Alabama didn't do that they were driving and having success between the 20s but they were not getting the job done it was constantly a one you know a three or a six point game at absolute worst for Georgia so all they have to do is put up one touchdown and they've now taken the lead either way whether it's three or whether it's six so there was never much pressure on Stetson Bennett to have to make a play if you're Alabama's defense, it was stopping the run and putting the game on Stetson Bennett's shoulders. Because of game script and the way that it ended up working out at the end of the first half and into the second half where Alabama was able to establish a two-score lead, even though Georgia had a little bit more success running the football than they did, uh, than, than a lot of people give them credit for, they still abandoned the run too early, put the game on Stetson Bennett's shoulders. He starts pressing. He throws a couple of interceptions, including one for a touchdown. Alabama wins the game. So it's stopping the run. It, this entire thing, and I said it, and, and, and a lot of people said it, it wasn't just a me thing, was if you're Alabama, figure out a way to put this game back on Seth Bennett's shoulders. And early on, you saw him rattled. He did not look good to start that football game whatsoever because it was an even match. He didn't know how his defense was going to respond against Alabama's offense. And so he felt pressure to, hey, we've got to maximize every drive and every opportunity. And he, did, he was not responding well. But as the game continued to truck along and the defense was playing lights out in the red zone and, you know, was, were do, you know, getting after Bryce and creating a lot of negative plays. And don't get me wrong, in the first half, George ran the football okay, but really it was the start of the second half where really they started getting things going. From there, it was all, you know, he got super comfortable. The one, the, the long touchdown pass towards the end of the game, 
what happened? It was an offsides. There's zero pressure involved. Throw that thing up and, and see if your guy comes down with it. If it gets intercepted, take the five-yard penalty. It's still a net positive. It's still a positive gain. No big deal. And he ends up connecting on it. He ends up throwing a great throw. There's no pressure involved with that pass whatsoever. So Alabama was able to achieve in the first game, something that they were not able to achieve in the second game, and that ended up proving to be the difference. So, you know, that's give Georgia credit for that because, A, their defense bowed up when they needed to. They did allow some production, some yardage between the 20s, but they did what they needed to do to keep their quarterback comfortable and then also give the offensive line and the run game credit because they did a very good job of saying, let's take as much pressure off of him as possible. The, the, you know, Alabama's defense was doing a great job of kind of shutting down Georgia. They were moving the football a little bit too, but they were keeping things under lock and key. Next thing you know, James Cook, you know, sees a hole, makes a cut, 67 yards. They're now in scoring position. All the pressure goes off of Stetson Bennett. So that's, you know, that's how it ended up turning out. And it's unfortunate, but that's, it is what it is. Anything else to add to that, Jimmy? No, other than I, I think I, I think you correctly. I think that Cook run may have been. It it was the play of the game to me. I mean, it it was like that changed the game. I think Alabama even had a lead after that at one point. But I I think that play changed the game. Uh, Alabama always felt behind uh, after that. That's a great way to put it, and I completely agree. All right, the last question on Twitter from Shane and he asked uh, or he said old Miss fan here I'm so tired of Nick Saban lol don't get me wrong what he's built is incredible but is losing the championship to Georgia a sign that the decline is coming not a Bama guy but do enjoy your podcast hey that's pretty cool that you know other fans will listen to this uh it means that we're not maybe too over the top so thought that was pretty neat but Jimmy what you got on this one it's not the first national championship or, or first postseason loss for Nick Saban uh you know, uh, there's kind of been an every other year thing going on for a while where every other year, I mean, Alabama lost in the semifinals in 14, Alabama lost in the finals in six, uh, lost in the finals in 16, lost in the finals in 18, didn't even make the playoff in 19, now lost in the finals in 21. Uh, I think the decline is going to be more apparent in recruiting before it's apparent on the field. And right now there are no signs of that. You can pick nits about it. Uh, but I, I think at this point, hey, look, this is why we know there, there's no rapid decline. Alabama's going to be preseason number one going into next season. Uh, I do feel for the other fans. I think it's just yet another incredible part of, of this Nick Saban dynasty has been that our conference brethren feel pretty helpless, <laughs> you know, as long as Nick Saban is running the show at Alabama. That's an incredible thing uh, that other, but hey, some people rise up and beat, Georgia has beaten him. Uh, early on, Urban Meyer and Tebow beat him. Ole Miss beat him two years in a row. LSU built a super team in, in 2019 and beat him. Uh, he can be beaten. You just have to, you know, your team has to, has to, you know, accumulate the talent and coach it up. Uh, it, it can be done, but I, I do feel the other team's frustration. I get it, but uh, no, there's there's no decline right now. Alabama would be preseason number one, and uh, and has signed a, a top two, top three recruiting class. This is it's interesting. That this question was asked because I was asked something similar 
or at least I think it was a, I wouldn't say this is a, a well-worded question. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just, as far as my answer goes, the way that it was presented to me during a recent radio interview that I was doing a couple of days ago, it makes it easier to answer. And that was, do we think that Alabama has reached the apex? You know, do we think that, that they have peaked under Nick Saban as far as the period of time? And this is how I'll answer that. Do I think that Alabama is going away? Absolutely not. Do I think they're going to be in the college football playoff hunt in the national title picture, you know, next year and the year after that and the year after that? Absolutely. But when you talk about the peak, you know, uh, reaching the high, I do think that that time has passed. And here's why. When you look back at 2009, dominance over Texas, 2011 against LSU, dominance, 2012 against Notre Dame, dominance. It was like, you know, every time Alabama, they were getting to the national championship game often, but they were getting over the top. Look at the last four years. You look at 2018 against Clemson, 28-point loss. You look at 2019, Alabama misses the college football playoff for the first time during, you know, since it was created. You look at 2020, go undefeated, only the second time in the Nick Saban era that they've gone undefeated, win a national championship, and then this year, go to the national championship, which makes three of the last four but they have a 15-point loss. So those are the two. I mean, I want to say that those are the that the 15-point loss and the 28-point loss might be the biggest of the Nick Saban era. Uh, am, I, am I right on that? I know that Utah beat them by 14. I know that Auburn, I think, beat them by 14 maybe. But I want to say that, like, for the longest time, it felt like that no Nick Saban team had been beat by more than two scores in a game and a lot of the losses and stuff have been 10 points or less. So Jimmy, I, off the top of your head, am I off in that? Uh, what was the, um, the biggest loss of the Saban era? Wouldn't that be, uh, was it Ohio, uh, uh, Clemson in 18? That's what I'm saying. And, yeah. That the yeah. last two national championship games, yeah. the 28 point loss and the 15 point loss. I want to yeah. say that both of those are the only two times that I a think- team has beat them by more than 14 points. I think that's right. I I, I, I believe that's right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of- yeah, and, and I, 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 so I would need to go back and look um, just to be sure. But just off the top I, of my head, while while we are recording, uh, he must have been listening to the show. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> Slade Bolden has a uh, uh, is entering the draft process. Well, there you go. There you go. Okay. Um, breaking news. So we, I mean, I got to get this out like right now. No, I mean, it's a, uh, that is, and it might surprise some people, but it really doesn't to me. Cause it's it, like, it does, I, he's got a master's degree, a master's degree. You put it beautifully. You put it beautifully when you said, I don't think that he improves his draft stock coming back. I think where he's getting taken this year, wherever that is, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, undrafted free agent. That's probably where he was getting taken next year because I don't think he's going to come in and become a target hog. I think he's going to play the same role, uh, maybe a little bit less, as you put it. So I don't think he's going to come in and have a a, a twelve hundred yard season with a hundred catches. And now, just from a production standpoint, he's now improved his stock to be a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick. Same role, probably the same type of production. Uh, the experience would have been needed and and wanted, I'm sure. But also, uh, in my opinion. And I, this, for some reason, now it would be a big deal if Alabama lost all three, Jamison Williams, Slade Bolden, and John Mechie, all three of their top receivers from this year, I think that would be a big deal. Uh, that would be, I mean, the experience, the lack of experience would be glaring. There would be a couple of guys with a little bit, but that would be somewhat of a concern. But this, to me, for some odd reason, maybe it shouldn't, but it makes me feel better about John Mechie potentially returning. So, you know, maybe I'm That's wrong, it. but 
you've put this beautifully. The entire Slade Bolton situation could not have put that any better. But yeah, um, so Jimmy, any final thoughts? It could be on Slade. It can be on any of the questions. It can yep. be on wish, whatever you want. Well, just wishing Slade well. Uh, what a what a great contributor he's been to a lot of wins, a lot of big catches, a lot of big games. A 2020 national champion, and he was a contributor on that team as well. Uh, good kid, uh, two degrees from Alabama, never a lick of trouble, uh, a punt returner, an overachiever, and uh, hey, I, I hope he makes a roster. Yeah, me too, and I definitely think that he will. You know, I don't know that he's going to be a really high draft pick. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I would probably say absolute ceiling would be like fourth round, but I definitely don't think that's going to happen. I really don't think fifth round is going to happen either. He, he's the perfect, like, you know, depending on what you need, if you got a couple of, you know, big uh, attention getters, uh, as far as like your, your perimeter receivers, you need a slot guy who's going to be reliable with hands, be able to do some stuff on the short to intermediate, you know, uh, with, with Mac and Bill Belichick's probably like, dude, I will take you right now. Fifth round. There's no way I'm letting you, you know, no way I'm letting you fall past the fifth round. We'll get you back in there with Mac who you're comfortable with. Give him a weapon that he's familiar with, which that will be crazy, man. Jalen Hurts with Devontae Smith, Mac Jones with um with with Slade Bolden, Tua with with Jalen Waddle. That would be wild if all the these former Alabama quarterbacks all have one of their former receivers who they could rely on. So I'm gonna be pulling hard for for Slade to end up in old New England. Yep. Uh that would be a great landing spot. Uh I'm wondering myself if his long-term futures in coaching, is that something he's interested in? I have no idea. For all I know, he's going to go be a medical doctor after football's over. I don't know. But uh, uh, just just a, a great – you know, I, I know people will – I know the initial reaction is going to be, what is he doing? Uh, but what do you go to school for to get a job, right? He's He's got two degrees. He was a significant player. And, and and his development is over. It's a developmental sport. Dang. Slate is as far as he's going to develop at Alabama. That's that's over. Uh, and, uh, yeah, give it a shot, Slate. Those degrees mean nothing. Those degrees mean nothing, Jimmy. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau says that, that he would have a very hard time getting a job. So it, it's either NFL or bust. Otherwise, he's probably going to end up on the street spot, I guess. So let's, yeah. just, let's, let's all pull for Slade and hope that he doesn't end up homeless. Yeah, let's hope he can afford some glasses to uh, address his stigmatism. <laughs> oh, man, it's been so much fun. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I've said, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, well, if you think this is just like the Bo Nix thing about the, the, the refs and favoring Alabama, as soon as you say something absurd like that, if you don't think I'm not going to attempt to run it in the ground, someone's going to have to be like, Clint, all right, you need to chill out. Uh, you've, you've, you've ran this into the ground, dude. Before I stop, because uh, that's just that absurd takes like that crack me. And people just say anything. They don't even have nothing to back it up. Just, hey, let me hop on here and just say whatever it is that I want to and really continue to pay, paint the state of Alabama and the University of Alabama however I want to. I, I'm i very shocked that I'm getting any sort of pushback on this. Why in the world would these people from the state of Alabama want to defend themselves when I'm, you know, criticizing their their education and the hard work they put in? Uh, you know, Greg McElroy, you should not take any offense. You should just accept it, uh, that you're kind of dumb and you don't have, you know, a lot of success. You're not going to have a lot of success in life because you can't get a job. I mean, Nike doesn't want you. That's for sure. Nike only, only wants cave on to and those Oregon players. So anyways, that's going to wrap it up. We've gone long. Uh, I knew we would, uh, soon. And, and I love how we were able to kind of break down that slate stuff. Cause yesterday was like, as soon as 
we got done with the podcast and we threw it out there. Here comes Shane Lee and Jalen Moody. And it's like, God, we could have talked about this yesterday. So the news moves fast in the week when the season's over. It does. It, it absolutely does. All right, Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This has been another episode of the BIM on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.